0: Welcome to the inaugural episode, the very first episode of the After Action Report. I'm Nick Guy, I'm your host, and I'm one of the millions of unqualified, self-absorbed, self-described experts that think that you need to hear what I have to say. This is a great new project that I've decided to undertake. It's nothing that the world needs, but it's something that I want to do. And the last time I checked, this is America and I'm free to do whatever I want. So with that being said, welcome to the new podcast. This is going to be a really fun project. It's not going to be super formal, super serious, Mainly because I don't know how to make it super formal or super serious. I am an absolute illiterate with this editing software. I don't know how it works. I'm barely getting by with a few YouTube tutorials. So we're going to try and make this at least somewhat palatable to you, the viewer. Um, I've been sharing hot takes on twitter for the past couple of months. I uh, really stepped up my twitter game, but you're limited to 240 characters. So I thought, <laughs> Nick, you idiot, start a podcast. That's what everybody else is doing. So here we are. So this is going to be a, a a little bit of a uh and as as the show as this develops, I hope to, you know, bring in guests and bringing people that actually know what they're talking about beyond just my self-absorbed ramblings. But at least in the beginning, we're going to be taking a look at at uh, topics that, that kind of focus on, on national security, foreign policy, and the military. Uh, I'm going to try to provide a little bit of a unique perspective on it. Uh, if you guys don't know... Um, I am a United States Army Green Beret. Uh, that's a colloquial term. Uh, I'm an Army Special Forces Communications Sergeant, which is ironic because I don't know how to work this equipment. But uh, I, I bring a unique perspective. I bring a, a, a viewpoint that I think a lot of people don't get to experience. And I think, it you know, what I had to say is not that important. Um, but if you like it hey tag along I'm not gonna complain uh, so we're gonna we're gonna run the gambit of of uh, you know news outside our borders uh, military issues foreign policy I'm not a NatSec wonk I have a bachelor's in political science like it's not that impressive but um, I do have uh, some decent overseas experience Uh, when I was with 5th Special Forces Group, and I'm currently with 19th Special Forces Group, which means that I play Green Beret part-time. It's a unique perspective. I kind of have one foot in the military world and one foot in the corporate world, Uh, and I'm currently working in financial intelligence, and trust me when I say It sounds way more interesting than it actually is. So, now that that introduction is out of the way, you kind of know who I am. Let's just get right into it. Uh, It's a big news day. Uh, We're coming to you on the 5th of November, 2019, in the year of our Lord, if that's your thing. I have Twitter queued up. I have a couple news stories queued up. I have a White Claw sitting here. I'm not sponsored by White Claw, but White Claw, if you're listening, that is cold, crisp, and delicious. (laughs) Yeah, so it's probably the most basic thing about me besides my love of all things autumn and crafting and pumpkins and sweater weather and Instagram shots that all my gal pals love. But beyond that, I say let's just get right into it. You'll see... If you guys are watching this podcast, you see me, and then you also see uh, a, a split screen. Uh, I'm going to be pulling up some things so you guys can follow along. If you guys are listening, I'm going to do my best to paint a picture for you. Uh, I I like to think that I can kind of give a uh, an accurate representation of what's on the screen. If you guys are in the car and decide to listen to this on whichever platform will accept me, whether it be Spotify or iTunes, we're going to see, we're going to see, like I said, this is kind of just a trial run and it feels ridiculous just talking to myself on camera in my bar room, (laughs) don't worry, we're going to get through it together, all right, without further ado guys, let's jump right into it, big news today and it's absolutely heartbreaking a family in Mexico American citizens were gunned down and murdered in northern Mexico and it's a awful story it's kind of one that pulls at the heartstrings mainly because children were involved and nobody likes to see that you know it, it was especially when you, you know you take a look at cartel violence and I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I don't claim to know, you know, the ins and outs of the cartel world and the intricacies of the drug trade and how it plays into you know, Mexican domestic policy and US border policy. But looking at it just from the layman's perspective, and that's that's all I'm claiming here, is it, it's a story that kind of captured the headlines and as a few people have have pointed out it's it, people just suddenly cared and and some commentators were were saying oh it's it's because they were white or things like that but i think honestly a lot of people and myself included but maybe not to the extent that i should have have been talking about this whole cartel issue and i it it stems from the fact that it seems foreign to us even though it's right there on the border and we see we see criminality cross the border. We're, we're finding cartel violence on U.S. soil. It doesn't really hit home f- to us. And I think the media is partly to blame because they don't want to cover it. There are some phenomenal, phenomenal uh, journalists who do cover it, and almost exclusively. But I don't think anybody's really listening to them. Uh, but this story, this story grabbed headlines. One, because the absolute brutality of what happened but secondly there were children involved excuse me but thirdly it was finally Americans that were the victims of cartel violence and I, like I said I'm not an expert I don't claim to be an expert uh, it you know if I were to claim an expertise in something it would probably be the middle east but on this I I'm just a weekend warrior, uh, when it comes to, to cartel violence and U.S. policy on the border and things like that, but this story is absolutely awful. Um, ABC has a has a pretty decent write up on on what happened. Uh, but the long and short of it is that there's a, f- a family of American Mormons that had settled in northern Mexico, and and the reason. Kind of ranges, and you know, some outlets are reporting it was due to religious discrimination. If you are the terrible, terrible editorial staff on the New York Times that approved this tweet, and I quote, the brutal killing of nine members of an American family in northern Mexico on Monday highlights the long history of religious fundamentalist settlers in the region. Our religion reporter, Elizabeth Diaz, details their history back to the early 20th century. And first off, let's just say everybody knows it. The New York Times is getting dragged online for this, for this headline and this tweet um, because it is incredibly insensitive. But I guess some American Mormons had settled in Mexico due to possibly some polygamy laws. Not entirely sure, it doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, is this, this family of American citizens was living in Mexico. And right now, the reports all state that this is potentially a case of mistaken identity, of uh, the cartels thinking that this convoy of, of vehicles that, that contained this family uh, was a rival cartel. And, you know, it's I, one, it, it points to a couple of things. All of a sudden, violence at the border, because this happened less than 100 kilometers away from the U.S. border with Arizona, and it hits home for a lot of people. Uh, the fact that, that you know, there, there were children from the ages of 8 months to 12 years old killed, their mothers were killed, the fact that it was just a horrific horrific attack I mean these cartels basically laid in a linear ambush on a highway and everybody I, I think everybody knows but nobody wanted to admit that cartels one are heavily armed we've seen that uh, recently in the headlines and I know a lot of pundits like to say well they get 70 to 80 percent of their arms from, from US retailers but the fact of the matter is we've seen the kind of of firepower that these cartels bring to bear i mean they're they're running you know belt fed machine guns they're running anti-armor weapons and they're running things that the american consumer can't have i'm not going to speak in this episode as to the source of those weapons everybody has their opinion i'll let you draw your own but the fact of the matter is is they laid in an laid in a linear ambush and they killed nine. And some sources are now saying 12, uh, a good buddy of mine at BK actual on Twitter. Uh, he's got his own podcast and he's a former pararescueman. He does great work. He's reporting as of tonight. It was actually 12, uh, family members were killed and I it just highlights the absolute insanity and the fact that Mexico is, for all intents and purposes, a failed state. The Mex- the Mexican government is not able to secure its own internal security. Cartels are well-funded, well-armed, and well-trained. I mean... All you have to look to is is the, you know, the Los Zetos in Mexico. I mean, their ranks are flush with former Mexican commandos who bring knowledge to the fight. I and mean, that's absolutely unacceptable. And then you take all these other cartels who have so much money they don't know what to do with it. I mean, when we talk about money, we're not talking about money that you can actually count. We're talking about money that they have to weigh by the tractor trailer. That's how much cash these organizations are rolling with. And that's and when you have money, you have access to access to resources that very few of us can comprehend. So when you take a look at this violence, you I mean it god, it is just it, it is horrific. I mean it, from from what I'm reading and Again, I have to preface by saying I am not an expert. But from what I'm reading here, they were just, like, out for the day. And they were just moving from one town to the other. They weren't bothering anybody. And I don't care. I really—honestly, the New York Times, I don't care what Elizabeth Diaz has to say about colonialism or about how Americans are encroaching— on Mexican territory. I really don't give a hoot what she has to say. The fact of the matter is, is six, at a minimum, six children were either shot or burned alive in the vehicles that they were riding in. And that is just horrific. President Trump heard about the story and he tweeted out that he he basically gave the the Mexican president a, a a offer to quote go to war with the cartels um, i you know you can say whatever his his rationale is like i said this story in particular because i think it hits close to home because it was finally americans you know cartel violence has been going on for years it is absolutely horrific they're they're they're, they're I apologize, but their propensity for violence knows no bounds. And I think a lot of people were blind to it. The media certainly wasn't reporting on it. But you throw Americans into the mix, and finally it grabs headlines. Trump tweeted out that he wanted to go to war. He wanted to partner up with the government of Mexico to go to war. And the president of Mexico declined the offer. And he didn't just decline it, but the way he phrased his response seemed to think that it was a joke, or he doesn't think this this problem is all that serious, which is absolutely ludicrous. It is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, Mexico, like I had mentioned before, can't maintain its own security. The cartels have free reign. In the military, we call it freedom of maneuver. And that means that a an entity, a force, a unit, can move around a battle space uncontested. And that's basically what the cartels have right now. Now the cartels kind of have their own little regions. And all the reporting out of this story is, uh, is that the region that this family, the LeBaron family was in, was contested territory between two cartels and that it was a potential case of stolen identity. And, And while that's tragic, I, it, it doesn't matter. it, 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 all it shows is that the cartels are running the show, but the government of Mexico is not. I'm gonna leave it at that because, like I said, I'm not that well spun up on on the issue. But I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it. It is big news for the day. Um, I, a lot of people are talking about that, and we're gonna find out more as time goes on. Um, I mean. I mean, I'm looking at this at this report right here. About 200 shell casings of 223 and 77 millimeter caliber guns were found on the scene. Obviously, okay, great. You know, ABC, great reporting. Are you kidding me? 77 millimeter caliber guns? That's like that's like naval. Those are like naval guns. 77 millimeter. I mean, that's you know, the an M1A2 Abrams has 120 millimeter uh, gun. I, you know, again, this, well, we're not going to get into the disconnect between the media and, and simple facts when it comes to firearms, but that's all, you know, when it comes to this, you know, the story is still developing. We're going to see where, it you know, where it goes, how Mexico responds, if they even respond. I mean, geez, you know, cartel violence has been rampant for years and nothing has happened. Uh, So, but now that American citizens are, 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 you know, enveloped into this, into this story, we're going to see what's going on. I know a lot of veterans are, are, you know, they're, they're reaching out. They're saying, Hey, let's go, let's go up in arms. And I can kind of, I can kind of see that, that sensibility, that, that reaction. Um, You know, it's different when, when your own blood is spilled and, we're gonna see how it plays out in the next couple of days but until then uh, we'll kind of sit on this story and we'll come back to it all right up next Trump okay's wider Syria oil mission now I spent the majority of my time overseas in Syria the vast majority actually I, I had I had spent some time in Jordan and uh, northern Iraq in erbil in northern in northern Iraq uh, with the uh, uh, Kurdish regional government, uh, which I should say, because nobody's reporting on this, the Kurdish regional government, the Peshmerga, the the functioning government of uh, within the Kurdish ethnic group in northern Iraq is totally different than the Rojava, which uh, populates northern Syria and southern Turkey and enca- encapsulates, you know, the PKK and things like that. Uh, going into going into this story i'm going to say uh honestly i don't i don't know what to make of this this is this is a new development you know president trump ran on on the promise of pulling out of syria we pull out of syria much to the dismay of a lot of pundits a lot of so-called national security experts god i hate i hate the term natsec especially online like national security has has a specific meaning online it seems like any 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 Joe standing tall can just claim the title and if they have a large enough following people listen to them with you know that it's like with me like with just a bachelor's degree claiming expertise on a subject I don't claim like, PhD, like, hey, you know, I have think tanks and, you know, the State Department, the DOD relying on my opinions. I'm not claiming that level of expertise. But I have, with my very limited education in combination with my experiences overseas, I like to think that I have at least a little bit of a better grasp on the situation on the ground. But on this story, Trump Trump says he's pulling out... Everybody gets upset. They said that we're leaving our allies behind without them realizing that the Syrian defense forces that we were kind of cutting ties with were mostly, you know, made up of PKK. uh, Well, for lack of a better term, terrorists. Uh, The United States had already designated the PKK as a terror organization uh, we saw them as a tool in our fight against ISIS. That was a decision made in the previous administration. And there are a couple of very important, very smart men with stars on their shoulders who testified in front of Congress that the, the, using the Syrian Democratic Forces or SDF was a PR move to rebrand the PKK so that we could use them uh, in our foreign policy objectives of defeating ISIS, which is fine. That's that's nothing new. We've used l- less than stellar slash CD elements to achieve our foreign policy objectives in the past. The difference is uh, when it comes to like the Arabs in the south of Syria that we partnered with when we cut ties during the previous administration. Nobody bad and I. Trump takes office. He cuts ties with the north. Says, hey, this mission is done. Everybody loses their mind. You know, I'm Syria is a a it's a sticky wicket to say the least. Uh, do I think that pulling out of Syria was the right move? Yes. Uh, the, the mission was kind of being dragged along, you know, dragged out and, and expanded far beyond what we needed to do. Uh, The mission was very clear. The Title X mission, the, the, the Department of Defense mission in Syria, was the eradication of ISIS. ISIS went from a caliphate that had geographical land that it controlled. It was a de facto government in large swaths of Syria. And we reduced it to roving bands of fighters that had somehow survived the massive offensive by U.S. and... Partner forces and airstrikes and all sorts of nastiness that we directed their way. But after Al Baghdadi got schwacked, it seems that white side special operations forces, so like what I am, so you have white side and black side. You have black side special operations, those are your special mission units, your. Delta Force, your SEAL Team 6. Then you have Whiteside. Those are your SEALs, your Green Berets, your Rangers, your Air Force Pararescue, your Air Force Combat Controller. Uh, I would say your Air Force uh, Weathermen, uh, but those are gone. They've now replaced them with uh, Special Reconnaissance, Air Force Special Reconnaissance. But again, I'm ranting. But Whiteside Soft moved back into Syria after Al Baghdadi got schwacked by Blackside Soft, and they are currently securing oil fields in northern Syria. And the administration is talking about how this is to counter any ISIS resurgence, to back up our Kurdish allies, and I should say those those Kurdish allies are the the Rojava Kurds. Those are not the Kurdish Regional Government. Kurds in northern Iraq, the ones that have a functioning government, the ones that we do have a partnership with, the Peshmerga that we fought alongside in Iraq. Uh, but we, this, you know, the current administration is talking about how it's to, to support our, our Kurdish allies, the Rojava, uh, the Syrian de- uh, Democratic Forces, uh, and to counter Iranian influence in the region. Now, Trump made a big deal about pulling out. It was a campaign promise. Uh, You know, love him or hate him, you know, the decision to pull out of Syria was controversial to say the least. Uh, Technically, it was a campaign promise. It shouldn't have surprised anybody. But all of a sudden, we have U.S. Army Special Forces rolling back into northern Syria, and that's kind of that's confusing even me. Um, I get. I get the like the excuses. I understand the whole hey, let's counter you know Iranian influence in the region and Iranian the Iranians have started to flex a great deal more in the region than they than they had you know five six years ago uh, when I was over in Syria the Iranians uh, were backing uh, what we called Shia militia groups in Western Iraq and they were trying to to influence you know. Iraqi parliamentary uh, elections and, and bringing in candidates who were sympathetic to Iranian causes, and it kind of all stems back to this Shia-Sunni divide in Iraq. But again, we're getting into the weeds here. That's not what this is about. But Iranians were were flexing influence. Uh, they they have a very capable special operations force they call Al-Quds. Uh, I don't speak Farsi, but Cuds uh, is the Arabic. It's the actually an Arabic word uh, for Jerusalem. I, no, I don't know a whole lot about the history of Iran. Uh, my language and expertise when I was a Fifth Group was the Middle East, and my language was Arabic. I was not a Farsi speaker. I wasn't. I wasn't taught the the culture and history of Iran. I kind of focused on the. Uh, the Levant, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, things like that. But anyways, i i get I get the excuse, but I don't understand why they would make such a big deal about pulling out. Hey, promises made, promises kept, and then going back in uh, this oil facility. I don't think like it, we don't have American oil, dri- like um, you know, oil workers there to scoop up the oil. So I don't think it's a about oil. I know the optics on it are like, oh, you know, the American military goes in to secure oil and it's it's, it's a repeat of, of what was going on in Iraq. Um, but the optics are bad. So we're going to see where that kind of leads. Um, I'm going to hold off like my final judgment until we to see if like a clear mission emerges. Um, but if, you know, if we're there to counter Iranian russian and turkish influence in the region i don't know why like we have special forces odas or what we call operational detachment alphas or odas those are special forces teams why we have them like being photographed and videotaped like literally next to oil fields it's a bad look i think the optics don't work um the Pentagon is kind of tight-lipped about what the mission is, so we're going to see where that leads. Uh, and again, like like the the previous story we we'll hopefully come back to it. All right, moving on. We're just moving right along. We're going to try and keep this short. I know if you guys are like me, your attention span is just garbage. I mean, it's well it's it's current year, it's 2019. Everything comes in little blips. My god, we like everything fast and easy to digest and Let's face it, deep dives, they're not easy to digest. Oh, God. You know, a lot of people say they hate the Ruby Grapefruit White Claw. And, like, if you're at a party with, you know, people in their early 20s and there's White Claws being thrown around because I like to be hip and and into the scene, I drink White Claw... I mean plus it's only a hundred calories you know gotta watch that figure, but people don't like the ruby grapefruit and it it's really it really is a shame because I like it, and people are say, oh it's the trash of all the flavors listen i I think it's delicious anyways all right we're kind of gonna move away from the the macro the what's going on beyond our borders to what's going on within what the internet calls, and I call Mill Twitter. Now, if you guys are not familiar with Mill Twitter, you should educate yourselves. So, there are service members who are on Twitter, and a lot of them have—they have a lot of influence. They have a lot of followers. They have the ears of important people, uh, general officers, journalists, people that can, you know, take uh, the opinion of. An e6 and elevate it, you know, as if it were policy. It's pretty incredible, actually. And the majority of mill Twitter is, I was gonna say, leans left. I don't, I don't hide the fact that my personal politics, I am definitely right of center. Uh, I always used to tell myself that I was a libertarian, and then I kind of wizened up. I realized that libertarians foreign policy is absolute garbage and that you can't kind of just self-contain like it's 1903 anymore and we saw what that got us but i you know i don't hide the fact that i'm politically conservative um but mill twitter is not and it, it's kind of a weird dichotomy because the military in a whole I would say is conservative, but the online presence of the military is very much liberal. Um, and I, I use that, you know, like liberal as a party not, you know, the the classic not classical liberalism, but you know, leftist. Uh, and with with that with that liberalism comes what a few people in the community called woke vets and that kind of stems from uh wokeness what the left loves to say is like oh woke you know oh my eyes are open i can see the truth and those those that wokeness kind of leads to some awful awful opinions now in in the united states army like i said i'm not gonna i'm not gonna speak to things like other branches because i am in the army but in the united states army the big the big news right now is a new PT test. We went from the Army Physical Fitness Test, or the APFT, to the Army Combat Fitness Test, the ACFT. And this was implemented to create a gender-neutral fitness test uh, to coincide with the incorporation of females into combat arms and to open up uh, selection and assessment of special operations units, uh, mainly Uh, United States Army Rangers, and the United States Army Special Forces, also known as Green Berets. Great. Again, we can definitely go into my personal opinions on things like women in uh, special operations later. That's neither here nor there. What I am going to talk about is woke leftist mill Twitter railing on the new Army Combat Physical Fitness Test. And let me just remind you, you listeners at home, that the ACFT was created to encompass a gender-neutral standard. A gender-neutral standard. Great. The consensus among people who have taken it, including myself, it is much easier to pass than the old uh, physical fitness test, but much more difficult to max. I'm not going to break down the tests by events, but there is one event that is causing a lot of controversy on Twitter and I guess in certain circles within the army. And that is a little ditty I call the leg tuck. Basically, you're going to hang from a pull-up bar with your arms locked out. And then you're going to flex your arm in And then you're going to raise your knees so that your knees touch your elbows. All right. Seems simple enough. Uh, In the Special Forces Regiment, we had our own PT test called the Upper Body Round Robin, the UBRR. And we had a variation of that called Kip Ups, where you hung on a uh, uh, pull-up bar and you had to bring your feet over the bar and clap your feet together. All right. Great. Kip ups, I think to pass you only need like three. Um, a lot of female soldiers are taking issue with it, um, and that's okay. You know, it's a new event. You know, just like anything, you have to train for it. Just like the old PT test, nobody, nobody in the army worked out by just doing push ups, sit ups, and running two miles. Like if you, if you. We're working on, if you try to maintain your fitness in the army, you're running further than two miles, you were in the gym, you were doing compound lifts, and things like that. But when it came time to uh, physical fitness test time, a lot of guys would have to train up for it. Like guys that lived in the gym or got really into functional fitness or CrossFit, they would find themselves having to do you know specific training to prep, they had to do regular army sit ups, regular army push ups you know they had to train for a 2-miler to get that time down this is no different but uh woke twitter or i'm sorry woke mill twitter is taking the they're t- they're they've decided that the hill that they want to die on is that this new test is sexist because these these, this knee to elbow movement is, is difficult for women. And let me say this. There are some female service members on Twitter that realize that this is difficult for them and they are training for it. And then they go on, they go on and they say, Hey, yeah, I could, I could only do one or I couldn't do one, but now I can do five. I can do six. Like they're training for it. And awesome more power to them that's the way it should be like they're they're soldiers it's the army like you you have to you have to accommodate the standard the army does not accommodate to you so they know the standard they know what they have to do and they're getting it done some service members females and then some really i, don't, I I'm not gonna call them white knights I mean, maybe they're white knighting. Maybe they see a damsel in distress and they want to help him out. But, or maybe they're just like they see an injustice in the world. I don't know. I don't try to claim that I can get into the mind of of a woke vet. Hashtag woke vet. <laughs> Ridiculous. But anyways, they're kind of taking the side that this is a sexist test that is designed to kick women out of the military because these... this. Kip up variation is hard to do. Well, the big take is the big takeaway that came up on Twitter, and I'm not gonna pull it up here because I'm I'm not in the business of blasting individuals out and to target them for harassment. I'm really not. But one female service member with a very substantial reach on Twitter with a lot of important people following every single thing that she says says that the test is designed to discriminate against women who have had a C-section. And then she went as far as to say that in response to another service member who said, "Listen, we have we have service members who have lost legs. They've lost legs in combat. It was a traumatic amputation." In the dirty, filthiest corners of the world, they got their leg blown off, whether it be an IED, uh, an RPG, a grenade, even small arms fire, uh, a, a AK round to a large bone in the body that shatters can, can mean amputation. We have, we have service members who lose a leg, and they get back on the horse, and they're doing deadlifts, they're doing, they're doing back squats, they're getting back in the game, and that is awesome. That's, that is highly motivating and that that really that's what being a professional soldier is all about so he goes i can't believe we have service members who can come back from a traumatic amputation but we have females saying that because they've had a c section because they've had an incision in their abdominal muscles they can't do this particular exercise and mil twitter military twitter absolutely lost it. It was it was all about oh, this is a terrible take. This is why we hate the army. This is sexist. This is bigoted. My goodness gracious. And then they had the audacity to say, and I cannot believe I am relaying this. They had the audacity to say that a cease that the recovery for a C-section, a, a, the recovery for a cesarean section is more traumatic and more difficult than overcoming a traumatic amputation. And I could not believe it. We have reached absolute levels of wokeness I didn't think were possible. Are you kidding me? I can't believe that some females are going to say that a medical procedure that is highly routine, performed thousands of times a day, is a, a more difficult road to recovery than losing a leg in combat, and that is, if I have to say it, that is peak mill Twitter, and that is peak victimhood, and playing the victim, and loving that victim card at every moment, and one, it it, it shows a couple of things, if they're just going to keep making excuses, like, maybe we, you know, I'm not even going to say that, I'm not even going to say that, because I don't want to get, I'm trying not to get dragged yet. This is a hell I am willing to die in, though. That the fact that losing a a leg due to traumatic amputation in combat is far worse than a C-section. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, Nick, you're not a female. You don't know what a C-section is like. And you're right. I don't. So, I talked to a female. Mainly my mother. I know. But I did ask her if she is she is a medical professional she is a woman she's never had a c-section but she knows plenty of women who have recovery for a c-section yeah she says you know 6-8 weeks maybe 6-8 months for a full recovery but 6-8 weeks that you can start getting physical again and that's awesome get back at it but recovery for losing a leg is going to be far longer than that and the ramifications of that injury, with potential infection and complications, and having to learn to walk again and, develop, and to develop muscles that didn't have to do that much work, and now you're putting all your weight on, on one side or things like that. Like it, it, This is craziness. This is peak leftism in the military. And I think it's it's really a, a testament to what the military has become. And I'm not going to badmouth the military because I love the military. Sorry, white claw break. For you just listening and you can't see. Mm. You guys remember that. Chocolate rain video. Where he puts in the little words. I'm, I move my face away from the mic to breathe. Yeah. That's what I did when I swallowed. So you didn't have to listen to that gulp. But. There's a former marine by the name of James Hassan. And he's a he's a smarty pants. And. You know, he, he kind of went the Ivy League route after his time in the Marine Corps. I know, shocking. A Marine can read, not just eat the crayons I used to fucking... To, to, I didn't mean to swear. To freaking practice their ABCs. But, he wrote a great book about how the military is becoming this petri dish for social justice and... Excuse me, social engineering, things like that. And... Really it, it's, it's it's one it's it's pretty telling just on its own, but then you actually see it in real life and then you realize how spot on it is. This is just it, this is these are females who have totally forgotten the fact that they're professional soldiers and that they you know they have a standard to meet and they need to meet it. That's the army. that's the military. The military is not a civilian employer, it's not an equal opportunity employer it never should be the military and the army in particular you know it specifically is a killing business we are in the business of killing we destroy the enemies of the United States by fire and maneuver and there's a lot of jobs that go into that in the back end and that's great like everybody plays their part i'm not going to i'm not going to look down on somebody for the job that they do in the military but when you boil it down the job of the military is to kill people I know that's distasteful and it leaves a bad taste on people's tongues, and they don't—they don't want to face that reality, and they want to say, "Hey, this is this is the United States military, and I should be able to serve." Well, listen—if you can't—if you can't meet the standards, maybe you shouldn't be serving. It's that simple. I hate it. It sounds callous and it sounds cruel, but I'm not going to apologize for it. The standard is the standard. If the Army says it is important for you to put your knees to your elbows as you hang, do a flex arm hang from a pull-up bar, you have to do it. <sighs> We're going to see where this one goes to. I have a feeling this isn't going away. They've, it, people have been complaining about this ACFT for months now, and they've been playing the whole this is, this is a sexist move for months now. All right, in the same vein of woke vets, you have your your average woke vets who just, they, they, they want to vote for Bernie or they want to vote for Elizabeth Warren and gender identity and gender politics is super important to them. And to that, I say that is okay. Everybody's entitled to their personal political opinion. That said, I've been seeing a couple of woke vets who are ultra woke and they are mouthpieces For a little organization, I like to call, well, I don't like to, well, I call them LARPers. I like to call them LARPers. If you're not familiar with the term, it's live action role player. Uh, It's people who get together on the weekends and they dress up like wizards and witches and dwarves and knights. And they play, they have battles and it's great. And that's their prerogative. And that's awesome. I'm so glad people can find healthy outlets for the things they like to do. But the term has been co-opted for people who don't have a certain background but like to pretend that they have a background. And a group called the John Brown Gun Club is the perfect encapsulation of a LARPer. You have far leftists who finally got a taste of gun fever. And they realize that all the pamphlets in the world and all the hugging the you know the hug circles and the protesting speakers they don't agree with it wasn't getting them anywhere so they decide to arm up they they their namesake is john brown the the famous abolitionist who totally took on the government of the United States in order to free slaves and John Brown was a total bamf that dude was Awesome. He had his own personal little boogaloo going there. He saw an injustice with the United States government and he attempted to rectify it. And he did die a martyr. Uh, the feds got him in the end. But his name and his work have been co opted by the far left, who are so entrenched in identity politics, that the idea that John Brown was willing to die for, that all men are created equal, to be judged by the content of an individual and not by any sort of racial or gender or any intersectional characteristic. That was John Brown's shtick. Everybody should be judged on their character. Nobody should be owned. Just because your, your, your one ethnicity doesn't make you any better than the rest. But far leftists who love intersectional, intersectionality, yeah, that's a word, intersectionality, they've co-opted John Brown's awesomeness. And this is what we have. And the John Brown Gun Club, these far leftists, they get together and they go shoot at ranges, and it is absolutely hysterical to watch. They are terrible shooters. They have zero idea when it comes to tactics or or what you know what they're going to need to do in order to you know accomplish their stated goals when they finally. Gather the courage to do something about it or something. But anyways, it was always a joke. But we're starting to see like what I'm calling ultra woke vets on Twitter, and they are starting to join the ranks of the John Brown Gun Club, and that's not good. Uh, I don't know what these what these veterans' backgrounds are, uh, but the far left they love to to, to they they like pushing communist uh, ideas, socialist ideas, things like that. Things that I've always advocated have no business in a polite society. If you ask me, communists are just as awful as Nazis. They really are. Both people are utter garbage. And that, again, is a, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. They are utter garbage. They are terrible human beings. Both ideologies killed millions of people. It's awful. But Nazis are rightfully shunned in our society. And we say Nazis are, they're awful. And they absolutely are. Hate Nazis. God. But in our society, for some bizarre, arcane, asinine reason that I cannot put my finger on, we allow communists to exist. And I'm and not, not saying oh, let's kill the communists, but what I am saying is we allow them to share their stupid, stupid ideology, and nobody shames them the way we shame Nazis. So now you have these far-left vets, and they're joining these organizations. And statistically, some of these vets are combat veterans, and they come from combat arms, and they can teach things like tactics. This is an issue. The United States government tracks... Neo-Nazis in the United States military. They identify them, they get them out. If they did something illegal, if they were selling guns or explosives to their stupid, inbred, white trash, hick cousin... You know, that, that's prison time. But they track that kind of thing, and a lot of journalists track that. But nobody's tracking these vets or members of the United States military that are part of these far-left organizations, and they are just as dangerous. And I'm going to say, you know what, In today's nowadays I'm going to say that the far-left organizations are far more dangerous than the far-right organizations because your average Nazi clan, they're going to get together, they're going to put on their stupid little turn outfits, you know, the little, you know, the World War II camo, that the uh German army used. They're going to go out in the woods and they're going to they're going to fly a banner and they're going to look stupid as hell. They are fat, they're out of shape, they don't know the first thing that they're doing. And we rightfully mock them. But the far left has shown that they have a propensity for violence. They have they've created a martyr. I'm not even going to say the guy's name. I'm you know, I'm not going I'm not going I I know nobody's listening to this, but I'm not but in my mind, I, I have a great audience. I have thousands of adoring fans. So in my mind, I have this audience. So I'm not even gonna say this guy's name because we really shouldn't be we really shouldn't be, you know, creating heroes and legends out of people, just like school shooters. But you all know who I'm talking about. The the he was a member of the John Brown gun club and he attempted to firebomb an ice detention facility. And he was just awful at it. Dude got schwacked before he could do anything. It was just it was it was pathetic. It was it was terrible. And it, it totally represents how inept your average excuse me, we constituted, you know, far left. I hate you know you don't want you you know you don't want to devolve into using you know terms like soy-fueled and things like that. But if you look at the guy, he, he, the guy, he did not have the capacity to really do any sort of damage. Like, you look at the guy and you're like, oh, my God. But anyways, he got Schwack trying to firebomb an ice facility. I'm starting to see a lot of far-left vets, you know, idolize the dude as a martyr, and that's an issue. Like, we're we're starting to see that. We're starting to see violence with Antifa uh you know they're they're identifying people they have this self-appointed moral high ground which makes them a very dangerous adversary because they think that they're in the the they're they think that they're right morally and it couldn't be farther from the truth but they think they're right morally because they believe fascists are evil and fascists are evil and we we have no place for that in you know this this republic and, and this society we we shun fascists but According to them, everybody to the right of them is a fascist and they start identifying people as fascists and they start pointing fingers and in their minds, they, it makes it morally okay to, to, you know, do violence against these people who are average people. They, they don't know the first thing about Nazism or fascism. They're just, they happen to be a little conservative, but we're starting to see veterans kind of grab some some far left veterans gravitate towards that. I think that's really something that the United States should really start looking. I don't put a whole lot of faith in the government, and to be quite frank, you know, I think the government oversteps its bounds a lot of in, in a lot of a lot of ways. Let's just say that. But if they're going to be tracking far right veterans and service members as they should, they should also be tracking far left veterans and service members. And nobody's doing that right now. And we're and I'm we're starting to see. So again, I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to pull up individuals um and and put them on blast here because that's not what this is about. Let's just kind of speak to the idea. Oh man. And that's about it, guys. I know. I my god, we were all over the place. I I apologize. It was my first it was my first time doing this. I'm very new. I'm 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 a podcast virgin. It, you you guys know how it is. You know, it's very very intimidating. Uh but hopefully you hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully this was, you know, just something that you could listen to. I don't even care if it's white noise for you while you do, you know, real things, important things. <laughs> I don't care if you keep me on the background. So hopefully this is uh, it gives you a little rundown of what went on during the day. I'm gonna try and do this a couple times a week. We'll see, you know, schedule permitting. And uh, like I said, as this develops, as hopefully I find somebody that can edit things and do things like that, we can add some like music and make it sexy. Um, if I can find the right people to do that, that would be awesome. Uh, like and and as this develops, we can bring in people who are way better at this than I am. They they have educated, informed opinions that they they know things, and we can bring them in, and they can talk, and I can just shut up and listen, and maybe learn a thing or two while they go off on their on their on their you know you know, CV-backed opinions, and you you guys might learn a little something, because they're not going to learn anything from me. My God. I'm looking at master's programs right now. I'm like, God, I'm too stupid to get a master's. I barely have a bachelor's. Mm. But that was fun for me, guys. It gave me a chance to kind of just Push out all the crap I've been holding in all day. Things that, that I found interesting throughout the day. Hopefully, you enjoyed it too. If you like it, you know, I don't know. God, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. Hit a thumbs up. Subscribe. Leave a comment. Um, right now, I'm like, I'm not going to ask for money or something like this. It's just for me. So, hopefully... Hopefully it was something good for you, or at least not bad. It was definitely good for me, but you know, like I said, I'm a virgin, so I don't know what I don't know what I what I like. But appreciate it, guys. Hope you guys had a good time, and uh, I'll see you guys next time.